There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Lead with Empower podcast keeps on rolling along strong here. We are joined this week by a, uh, I would would consider him a very special visitor, the mayor of Oldsmar, Florida. Mr. Eric Seidel joins the Lead with Empower podcast. Mayor Seidel, first off, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, to join our podcast. Really looking forward to this since we started emailing a few weeks ago. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having us on here. We've, uh, we've been looking forward to this. No, it's my pleasure. And to our listeners that don't know, um, you know, you're probably wondering, how's this guy freezing his uh, rear end off in Connecticut? How did he get connected to a, a mayor down you know, in Florida and uh, the Empower Adventures uh, uh, facility in Oldsmar, Florida has been operating down there since 2016. And, uh, you know, Joe Durang, our founder and, and Mayor Seidel know each other well. And uh, um, to say the least, Mayor Seidel, you've, you come from Joe with great recommendations. So very excited for our conversation today. Well, that's good. That's great to know. Hey, Empower's has just done terrific down here with the city. And of course, we're for, for your listeners who don't know where we're located. It's a where it's the Tampa Bay area. If you're looking at the Tampa Bay itself, we actually sit on the top of the bay. And so we're often referred to as a city on top of the bay. And of course they have uh, uh, out in our preserve area, they've set up the uh, zip lining and ropes course, which has been extremely popular. And I I feel I should say, uh, you guys have been terrific partners, community partners for all kinds of charitable things that we come to you from time to time. I, I don't think I've ever heard Jay, Joe say no to me. I don't think once. So. <laughs> no, it's a, and since, uh, you know, I've been with Joe since the beginning and whether it was up here in Connecticut or, or down in, at our Virginia location or at the Florida location, it's, uh, it's important to us to be part of the community and, um, you know, to try to, to have that impact across the board. And I'm so glad that it, that's, that's uh, taking place down in Oldsmar. Um, before we get into the episode, obviously we're, we're hopefully on the tail end of a challenging time, a unique to say the least time you, your family, your, your close ones, how is everybody doing? Is everybody in good health? I guess they're in good health. Uh, you know, and, and I just recently got my second shot for vac- evacuation. Uh, uh, all of us down here have been, uh, uh embracing that uh, my, in my own family, my wife and my daughter, uh, were diagnosed with COVID and uh, they, they, they didn't have a very difficult time with it, quite honestly. So when the vaccination came along, I never got it, yep. um, which is amazing, right? In the same, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I'll tell you a little interesting story. See, I, I have, I'm tired of being tested yep. because I have been tested for it eight times. Oh, and not because I'm overly, overly concerned, although I, I you know, know that it certainly is, is a problem, but it's because I'll get a call from City Hall and they'll say, Mayor, you've been here and so-and-so tested positive and they're sick. And I won't, I can't go back into City Hall until I get tested. Yep. So it's one of the, one of the pleasures that come along with being mayor. I guess. 
I'm, I, I'm, I'm apparently I'm a negative guy because I keep coming back negative. So. Hey, that's the good kind of negative right there, though. You'll take that any day of the week. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you and yours are doing well, and and that the the bout that your wife and and daughter had was was uh, low symptom wise, and and that's great to hear. Um, now. Oldsmar is a unique place. As you mentioned in the beginning, it's it's somewhat in between the Tampa airport and I believe the Clearwater area. Yep. And um, so we're, the, we're different. We're, we're, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead there, right? That's so right. Let's we're in a kind of unique place. So if you think of Tampa Bay, pretty much to go from Clearwater uh, to Tampa or from St. Pete to Tampa, you have to take a bridge. Yep. So our area is the only part because we sit at the top of the bay that if you want to connect the two, you can drive and not use a bridge. Right. And so here's our city kind of breaks down. We, we have a population of about 15,000 people who live here. And that's the daytime. That's the evening time population during the day. Our population swells to almost 25,000 people. Wow. And part of that is because we have an actual very large industrial base often the uh, kind of tucked away where we have, we manufacture everything here from the turbine blades that they use in jumbo jet, uh, oh, wow. jet engines to these huge uh, manufacturing machines, uh, assembly line machines, they build from the ground up here. Uh, if you wanted to package uh, a dairy product, you go to the grocery store and pull out the yogurt it might've been packaged on a machine that was made here in Oldsmar. Wow. And so we just, we just manufacture all kinds of different stuff here. So we have a large base there. And then we have 60,000 people who drive through our city every day. So it's kind of a mix. And, and, and we, we had touched on this in our pre-recording uh, uh, briefing or meeting, but there's a lot of initiatives in, in Oldsmar as far as, you know, continuing to develop the area and make it attractive to those that either live in it or, or travel to or, or through it. Talk a little bit about some of the current uh, initiatives that you all are undertaking there and how you hope it has an impact on the Oldsmar community. Sure, Dan. I'm, you know, our city is unique. We're like squ nine square miles and most, most don't realize it, but if a city has if, if a city has a 5% percentage base of parks, that's, that's pretty strong. We have 30%, almost 33% of our city is either parks that we have on the bay, trails that we have 10 miles of trails, uh, running, riding, walking trails, and preserves. So we put a lot of value in that. But one of the things that we don't have here is really a a, a real walkable little downtown area. And so for the last 25 years, we slowly worked on buying up land around City Hall, which is right on the main drag. Yeah. And uh, today we have two different, we have like a, a half mile walk, three quarter mile. And now the city owns seven acres next to City Hall. And we own another five acres right around the corner and so we've been working very diligently, especially prior to the pandemic, to fill it all in, yep. right? And so doing that, we're, we're right now in negotiations with a developer that we've approved a, a, a concept plan that's mixed use. It's got about 300 high-end apartments with 25,000 worth of uh, square feet worth of retail. And it's being built right on a park that we're creating 
Wow. Uh, that's a user friendly, uh, family friendly, and we're building into it for entertainment, which would be about a 60 feet, 50 feet to 60 feet in diameter Bellagio style fountain. Really? Right. So it's different. There's nothing in the region. It's yep. somewhere you could come with your family and watch a water show during the holidays. The shows would be time to the season. And uh, then the other end of town, or not town, but the other end of the walk, if you will, we're building um, uh, townhomes that also are along the main drag have what's known as work here, live here units. Okay. Uh, we're on the the ground floor, it's retail facing out to the main street and the second and third floor are residential units. Oh, wow. And so individuals buy those who are entrepreneurs yep. and they open up their own businesses there. And we're, we're, the community is right now working on building what will be our, our black box theater for live oh, performances. Wow. Yep. So it's a, it's an exciting time. Uh, we have some, uh, $90 million plus being uh, under uh, negotiations to, to add to build that downtown. And of course, during these times, it's been a challenge to keep the momentum going. Of course. And we're going to get into the, the pandemic in a couple minutes. But again, to our listeners, I get you know I have the pleasure of, of traveling down to the Oldsmar area once or twice a year. And um, the mayor is not lying about the parks. I mean, we have, uh, you know, the zipline course in one of the parks down there, but you know, stand up paddle boarding. I know uh, disc golf or frisbee golf is is, a, is is picking up some steam there. The the pickleball courts, the hiking, the dog parks. I mean, it's it's a lot, and it sounds like the downtown initiative is going to really almost turn it into this one stop shop where there's park, there's retail, there's restaurants, there's small businesses. So I'm really excited to see how that turns out for you all. And you know, obviously wishing everybody the best of luck. It's a big undertaking. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. And, it, you know, it's exciting. And you nailed it. I mean, we, we have the amenities here and we have, listen, we have 45 restaurants in the town of 15,000, yep. right? We have all kinds of businesses along retail, but putting it all together in a nice walkable package and where we're putting it is literally about, you know, five blocks from the parks. Yep. So now that you connect them all. So it's, uh, you know, it's something that started many years ago. Uh, where some of our founders had the vision to uh, start purchasing it. And we have this, it's built into your, your, your DNA if you're going to be a council member here, right? And it is, it's okay to land bank and not do anything with the land yet. Yeah. So when we have an opportunity to buy land here in our city, we typically will buy it and we'll bank it. Yeah. We don't necessarily have to run out and go do something with it. We know that, hey, maybe one day there'll be a future council that has a need, and now they have some property to do something with. And, and that's kind of what we see coming together on the downtown here. That's great. And that's that's an example. Of, and, you know, it's a little bit different from, you know, maybe thinking of it, you know, from an academic or a sports standpoint. But that's an example of what we refer to as the, the legacy, uh, the leadership legacy, right? Doing something now that you might not even experience the benefit of, but you know down the road someone else is. And that's a... Great segue into the next question here. There's the old saying, leading is easy when you're winning. <laughs> the, the past 12, 13 months has been, you know, not losing that necessarily, but it's been more challenging than I think, uh, you know, any time in, in recent history before that. Talk a little, you know, going through the past 13 months and you in a leadership position in the community there, 
talk a little bit about, you know, some, and you don't need to get into, you know, too specifics, too much into the weeds, but some of the challenges that the, the past 13 months in the pandemic has presented to you and looking back, you know, some of the, the lessons or takeaways that you feel are valuable to you, the Oldsmark community moving forward. Yeah, you, that's, that's a great question. <clears throat> so let me give a little backdrop. So here in our city, we, Pinellas County, uh, which includes Clearwater and St. Pete, and most don't realize it, but uh, we have the highest density level in our county out of any of the counties in Florida. We have actually 24 different cities here in Pinellas County, right? And so every city operates a little different with their charter. When the pandemic hit and it was clear that there was a real problem, uh, we, like many communities, and our governor issued a state of emergency, we then have the ability to issue a state of emergency on the local level, and it totally changes the leadership dynamics, okay? Yeah. And so here's how it changes it. And this was really built into our charter for hurricane purposes. Okay. Nobody, nobody really envisioned it for pandemics, right? Not a playbook for the pandemic. Yeah. Right, and so <laughs> what changes is whereas our council makes decisions that are policy related and our city manager and paid staff execute those decisions. What changes under a state of emergency, um, it all shifts to the mayor. Yeah. The mayor uh, makes decisions. It does not require a vote. Uh, we have the ability to make appropriations decisions. We have the ability to change policy, uh, emergency. So. Here's, here's where a lot of people don't know this, and it, it'd be interesting for your listening, but at least listeners here in Florida. So here's how we're all part-time uh, volunteers, elected personnel, right? Yeah. So here's how it changed. When the pandemic hit and everything shut down, for us, at 9 a.m. every day, the White House would have a conference call with the governors. Two hours later, our governor would have a conference call with all the counties. And then two hours after that, our county administrator would have a conference call with city managers and mayors. And we did this every single day. Wow. So one lesson right in here that built a lot of confidence was how outstanding the communications was from the White House to the local uh, community. It yeah. was four hours. You know, think about it. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. And even though some of the, some of the information frankly turned out to be incorrect because we just didn't know yeah. we were on the same page. And so it allowed us to have that kind of communication, that kind of access. And so what we did as a community, we immediately established a plan. You know, when we saw that there were seven, 800 people dying up in New York and, and the pre I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. That's just real real information that you have to act on until we know what the heck's going on. Yeah. And so, you know, we followed suit and shut down the city, uh, you know, and some of it was done for us with the county, but initially our county was kind of waiting. And here in Florida, the governor allowed the counties to really kind of manage what they're dealing with locally. Cause down in Miami, they had horrible numbers and yep. we didn't have them here for a long time. And so we did a plan. And so it was a three phase plan. Right away, we got aggressive with it. And the very first thing, of course, was, you know, worrying about uh, prevention and essentials. Yep. That was phase one for our plan, which meant 
what do we need to shut down that the county hasn't acted on yet? We have a we have a we have a flea market here, which is very you know uh, driven with a lot of high traffic. Yeah, uh, they weren't shutting down. I I I met with everybody one on one via phone or in person who were going to be impacted by. We have to close the gyms. We have to close the flea market. And ask them what's your mitigation plan. And and some of them said to me. Mayor, we're just waiting for you to close us. That's our plan. <laughs> I said, how's Friday? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a true story. And Unbelievable. so, but, but they, they wanted the help and they wanted some of the guidance. So we, we provided it and it was really to prevent the spread going faster. The next thing in that her first phase was essentials. And we got all these people getting laid off at home and uh, we in our city, we provide uh, water uh, to our to our community. We have a water plant, in case you haven't heard of Oldsmar, uh, you know, we have a water plant. Uh, that's a whole nother story. We have a water plant. And um, so I passed an executive order that uh, we would no longer turn anyone's water off for no payment, yep. for non-payment. And so I, immediately communicating with our electric company, Tico, who's great partners, they had not made the decision yet. They were discussing it. Uh, I talked to our uh, executive counterparts over there, and they ultimately made the decision to do the same. So now you start thinking about, okay, people have water, they have electricity, the next is food, right? Yep. So I'm in communication with all uh, our, our grocery stores here in the area, literally talking to the managers, the general managers saying, hey, do you have a food shortage? No, there's not going to be one, right? Paper products haven't changed, but of course we all know what happened. <laughs> yeah, so they no all had strategies. <laughs> they all had strategies to deliver food, right? With Instacart, or some of them started their own, and so we would communicate that out. And then for our our at risk, or for those who just lost their job and didn't have any money, we have a food pantry called Oldsmar Cares here, and so we partnered with them under our essentials to say. Why don't we do this for those who are at risk, who we don't want to see them out in stores. Yes, we yep. want them to stay in place, but maybe they don't have the money for an Instacart. We set up a partnership with the pantry and city hall repurposing where people could call orders in the city hall. We would hand it off to Oldsmar Cares and they would deliver it to their doorstep. Wow. So it was, the joke was, we have your essentials taken care of. Everything but cable. Yeah. Okay. So watch the internet. I don't know. You know? <laughs> so that was phase one. Second that we did was kind of the sustainability of this long haul that we knew might come. Yeah. And we also, phase three was recovery. So in the very early part of March uh, of last year, I, I, I appointed a committee, uh, somebody from commercial insurance, someone from technology, someone um from the uh, hospitality industry, restaurants. And so, so we have this committee. I look for the smartest people I could find who are here in the community. I mean, I, Nielsen Media was part of the committee. We had yeah. just about anybody you could think of. And it was, a, it was a committee of about nine people. And I said, listen, we're working on what's going on now. I, I would ask that you all step aside and focus on what you think we might be dealing with when we come out of this. Yep. And come up with ideas that will help us get through this for our business community and the community as a whole. And they went off and started working on a recovery plan. The sustainability resources, we repurposed our library 
because it was closed, of course. Yeah. Talk about some really smart people. You know, they know how to do research and all. So we set them up researching every possible grant benefit for both businesses and individuals so that they could understand all those programs. And so what we did is we put our phone number for our library as a resource center. Yeah. Have a problem with your electric, have this, have that, call there, explain your situation, they'll connect you with the resources. And so, you know, the lesson out of it is have a plan. I will tell you that in our community, um, we only lost, I say only, it's bad enough, but we, that I'm aware of, and we're pretty aware, we lost like three businesses who yeah. might've been kind of sketchy on their own, where they were at. So that might've been inevitable. Um, but the rest have recovered and we, we repurposed our staff and city hall. We called every single business owner three times over that a nine month period to check in, find out how they're doing. You know, the County had some resources. We put them together with that. So, you know, the communications part in a, in a crisis is critical, uh, but being aggressive and tackling it. Uh, is kind of the foundation uh, to make things work. We we saw a jump in unemployment to 14% in our community. It's normally around four. Okay. I, I'm happy to say this last month that came out, we were back to being just over three. Wow. Okay, so that's great. That's great. It's planning, yep. you know, yep. and execution. So it's been a crazy time to be mayor. <laughs> I ran as the downtown mayor candidate, right? I'm not running... Uh, I, I, I joked, I said, I have three goals as mayor, build downtown, build downtown and build downtown. <laughs> and so that got put on hold, but we did still manage to keep the relationships warm. We had some folks who were developers who just, you know, they were impacted too much, but we've already replaced those. Yeah. And some of it, I think, I think some of it a lot has to do with how the community handled the pandemic i think it built some confidence so we have uh you know uh, we have some good things going on and in, in our city staff and the rest of the council uh rock stars and just um you know well i might have had the executive authority to make all the decisions i promise you they weren't made in a vacuum yeah right we even established this process because we have what's known as the sunshine law here in florida which means i'm not allowed to talk to council members about anything we might vote on unless it's in public. Okay. okay? Yep. It's a very strict, serious rule. So no behind the scenes shenanigans. No behind the scenes, yep. you can't do it. And so, but what I would do is before I would sign an executive order, like we, we, we our, our businesses, we immediately repurposed, and it was feedback from the committee I appointed about allowing our restaurants to, to set up tables outside before yep. they were shut down those types of things, you know? Um, but I would send out a draft executive order via email to the, to the city council before I signed it and it became official so that if they had a concern, they could speak to city hall and, and maybe think of something we did not. Yep. And uh, our city manager and assistant city manager, uh, we had the power meetings every single day. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> And you brought up, obviously, communication was a big point, And then that, that aggressive planning, big point. And there was something you said earlier in, in the description there of surrounding yourself with, you said, the smartest people you know in the, in the community. And I think 
you know, as a leader, we, it's impossible to ask one person to have all the answers all the time. And if you surround yourself with the right people, you're going to get to the end result and it might not necessarily be your idea, but just a combination of that great group of people you surround yourself with. 100%. There's an old saying I learned many years ago and it goes like this. The smartest person in the room is the one who knows they are not the smartest person. I love it. I love it. I I might borrow that from you, Mayor. Yeah, use it. Use it. It's true. And, you know, I've also found this, and this is something I've found over my lifetime, and that is there is a very powerful, uh, powerful personal connection that you make with someone when you call them tell them, you know, even when you're talking career wise and you're, or you're planning to do something audacious, you know, something big, right. And you see that they're doing it and you say to them, listen, these are so this, what you're doing is something I wish I could do. Or my, in my case as mayor, now I would say, listen, the city needs your help. And I always learn when you say to someone sincere and true, will you help me? There is that powerful connection that most people will be flattered. And also um, there's this desire and people, I think people are good. And I think they love the, you know, can I go buy you coffee? And you build these mentors, yep. which is how you, uh, how you learn. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. Great messages. Good. You're, you're coming out swinging right out of the gate. Well done so far, Mayor Seidel. Again, this is the Lead with Empower podcast, and we're joined with uh, Mayor Eric Seidel from Oldsmar, Florida, absolutely knocking it out of the park. Um, So you've been the mayor for just over two years. You spent some time as vice mayor and as a council member. What was it about, how long, I guess before that, how long have you been in that civil service uh, uh, type position there down there? Well, on and off since 2007. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I, for me, it's community service. I don't have these political ambitions uh, to go and, and do things like that. I just love the idea of making an impact. And um, my, my friend, uh, Mayor Beavis, yep. uh, Doug was uh, mayor uh, right before me. And I was not on council when he came into office and he came to me and said, hey, you know, Eric, and we're, we're buddies, you know, and he's like, run for this open seat, please. And, you know, I'm trying to get some things going here. And he was really a terrific mayor. And, and I've served under, he's the third mayor I've served, served under. And all of them have, you know, just really, we've had strong mayors here. And so I said to him, Doug, I will come back, but I'm only going to serve one term as a council member for you. So that <laughs> didn't turn out words. as I planned. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, sure, that's fine. But no, on and off since 2007. Hey, and let me just say one other thing because this is a mayor bragging about his city. So the name of our city, Oldsmar, let me tell you where it comes from. We're 100 years old, just over 100 years old. And the founder of our town is a guy named R.E. Oles, Ransom Oles. And he's the same guy who founded the Oldsmobile Company. And so he came down from Detroit and founded our town. He wanted this beautiful place that hardworking folks could come vacation. And so that's that's where the name Oldsmar comes from. There it is. For those of you listening, wonder that's not, that name sounds familiar. There you have it right there. There's the backstory. Um, and that's it's funny. One of the I think the first time I went down 
to Oldsmar was the groundbreaking. And I met Mayor, uh, former Mayor Beavis there. And that was one of the stories that I was told, I think, on my uh, when Joe picked me up from the airport. And, hey, this town's called this because. And uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting story. And it's great, again, for the heart, you know, the people that are working hard, you know, and, and give, you know, an opportunity to, to enjoy, especially if you're up in the Detroit area, the winters are no, uh, no picnic. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they would fly them down. I understand. And come look and buy land, you know, that Florida land sale. That's right. Thing, you know, <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently Mr. Olds was a salesman, you know, because, yep. uh, <laughs> knew what he was doing. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And today it's interesting. Our, our medium age is, uh, right around 41. Oh, wow. Most people don't realize we have the youngest medium age in Pinellas County about out of all younger than uh, St. Pete, surprisingly. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Another interesting nugget there. Um, so you mentioned you got into civil service, not with political ambition, but really as a community, you know, community builder, community service. What was that something that you kind of had in you as a, maybe, you know, a, a, a student, a, you know, high school student, college student, or was it something that came to you later down the road in your professional career? Give us a little background into, I think your journey from that high school, college, young professional to, to where you are currently today. Sure. Sure. So, so I, I, I grew up down in Miami, Miami's home for me down in South Florida. And uh, it was pretty much, you know, raised by a single mom. And I was the baby, two older sisters. And, you know, she was always off working and a really hardworking lady. And so we all kind of learned to rely on ourselves a little bit, you know. And um, I'll tell you that I, I was the, the kind of student in school that made sure I was responsible to make sure that the, the top half of the class existed. Right. I guess you'd say that. So I had my contributions back then. But uh but I, I, I was not a very good student, I, I have to be honest with you. But I, um, and frankly, um, I graduated high school not by a whole lot, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, was an iron worker uh, right out of school, took the job that paid the most money. And, yeah. you know, the higher you went in the air, the more they paid you. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like 17, 18 years old, and my buddy's dad owned a construction company, so I could work out there before I was really allowed to. Yeah. And, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college. I'll tell you, I, I didn't. And it, it's, uh, but something, I, I got this job as a salesman and there was a guy by the name of Joe Young, who was my sales manager. And he told me and he said, listen, if you're going to be uh, in this job, you have to do community service. You just have to get involved in the community. And he's one of these guys who I didn't know at the time uh, would make an impact on me because it, it forced a decision. I, I went to these different organizations to look for somewhere to join. And, and all I saw were a lot of old people. Yeah. And I was just not motivated. And I came across a civic organization called JC's, the yep. Junior Chamber of Commerce. And so I joined that organization and their age group is 18 to 40. And they do community service. And their motto is leadership training through community service. And so I always tell young people, if you want to get on hands leadership training, join a community service organization and volunteer mm -hmm. and volunteer a lot, you know, take on a project because there will be mentors in that organization that will help you learn leadership. And, and, and so I got really involved in JC's 
Uh, I, I was a local, became a local president. I then got involved on in the state board. I became the state president of the JCs. I went on to be a national officer, and this was over many, many years. Yeah. And and I ultimately became the national president of the JCs, and uh-huh. we had a hundred thousand members. You know, and so I often joke and say that was my college education, and it was learning about people. You know, some fundamental things. I want to tell you something. If you want to become a good motivator and ultimately a good leader, go volunteer somewhere, lead a group, because unlike in business, where if someone doesn't do their job, you can fire them. When they're a volunteer, you can't. You have to motivate them. (laughs) Yep, make it work. (laughs) You got to make it work. And so you learn that people are only motivated out of two areas. They're either motivated out of desire or fear. And the problem with motivating people out of fear is the moment you leave the room, so does the motivation. If you motivate them out of desire, they're going to just go to town. And so I always tell young people, you know, and I'm a big advocate for college. I have uh, three grown kids, all have been to college. My youngest, matter of fact, she just, she's 18 and she's moving out this weekend. She just finished all high school <laughs> and all of her prereqs and she's in met uh, uh, nursing school already. But so I'm a believer in it. But I also recognize that that may not be an opportunity for everyone. And uh, so for me, community involvement became part of my DNA. And I really owe a lot to that service organization uh, because it gave me the opportunity to leave. I traveled all over the world as a a speaker and a trainer. And, uh, you know, this is a kid who was an iron worker from Miami who uh, never made it to college. And today my wife and I own a a company that's a, a software company and we provide software to body shops. Uh, it's really? a, it's, it's kind of a unique niche. If you had a car accident, went to one of our shops, they, they could take their phone and scan your car, your VIN number, and it brings up the car and they can point and click to the damage areas. And it tells them the part pricing and the labor times and wow. what it would take. And, and today uh, we're a virtual company have been for about eight years, but about 13% of the body shops in the U S use our software. Wow. You know, and, and I attribute that involvement in community service, you know, getting around people who are, are positive and they're, and they're motivated and, and, and they will be mentors to you uh, if you ask. And that's, Mayor, that's a, that's a great one, great story. And I think it's a very impactful story and something I hope if we have some of the younger people listening, the high school students, because in our work uh, with Empower Leadership, we're, we cross paths with a lot of high school students. And I, I almost feel there's this, this heavy cloud where if it's not college, it's a failure. And there's a lot of different ways to learn and to develop and to become a, a you know an excellent adult, a contributing adult to, to the community that you're in. And it's not just this one path. And, you know, your story right now is a great example of that. And, and I hope that's an inspiration to the people listening that, hey, maybe, maybe it is for you. And maybe a four year or a two year or, or, or an advanced degree is the route that, that, that you feel passionate about. If that's not the case, it doesn't mean you're a horrible, you know, human being or somebody that's not going to be able to be successful. It means there's a different route for you. And, and I, I would, I would second your recommendation of being involved in the community uh, at the bare minimum, you're going to make a connection that's going to provide some sort of mentorship or support and get you on the track that does motivate and inspire. Yeah, you. Absolutely. And listen, you know, it, 
you know, it's not to say you don't, you don't end up learning formal education stuff along the way. You know, I, you know, for me, I, I had a period of time where I was the CEO of a public company, yep. right? I don't have a formal education. So guess what? There were tons of things I had to learn as soon as they made me CEO. Yep. Um, you know, I was going up to New York and doing these presentations on Wall Street. And, you know, it was a micro cap, small, small uh, company. But still, you know, you have to, you have to, not knowing is not an excuse. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's so many ways to learn today and there are people out there who help other people. You just got to ask, you know, I always say, look for the smartest person that you can find in that area. And then, and then tell them, I, I wanted to meet you because I think you're the smartest person I know yep. in this area. Will, will you help me? And they will. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, so I do hope that's a lesson for, for young people. And I, I'm a fan and advocate of college. I mean, I have the, the, the kids debts to prove it, but, but, <laughs> but that's not the only path to success. I mean, our company, you know, it's a multi-million dollar company, you yep. know, I mean, it's possible for everyone and there's other paths in, in, in trade and, in, in all of those course. types of opportunities. And, um, you know, I, I have a friend of mine and, and I had said to him who, who was in a trade and he was like, well, you know, I wish I was a, I, I wish I had my own business. And I said, well, then listen, learn the business side yeah. and then get a hundred tradesmen, you know, yeah. you know, and so that kind of opportunity I think really exists in our country today. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's changed. I don't think politics has anything to do with it. You know, I think it's just a matter of it is to be, it's up to me and, and you just go set and, and look for people to help you and they will. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I think, again, an important lesson, not for just the young folks, but maybe for the parents or, or role model, the adult role models, of young folks. Hey, you know, you don't necessarily have to force a, a, a young adult or an adolescent one direction or the other, you know, encourage them to discover their passion. And it might take them the college route, might take them the trade route, it might take them a different route. But if they're chasing it down and they're passionate about it, they're going to make the most out of whatever that opportunity takes them, you know, wherever that opportunity takes them down the road. And, and you know what? That's insightful because that's the key, you know, have passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I look at it kind of this way, you know, if you want to talk about how much money people make and listen, money doesn't make everyone happy, but I, I'm going to tell, tell you that it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of helps along the way. And so if you're passionate about one thing, here's what I would encourage you to go do. Find out. Who in that profession gets paid more than anybody else? Yep. Don't ask what the average person makes, because if you're passionate about it, you need to become that person. Yeah. And, and, you know, that that is um, a sure sign of someone who, who's going to find their way. Love it. Love it. We're on the Lead with Empower podcast with Mayor Eric Seidel from uh, Oldsmar, Florida. Mayor, again, thank you. Appreciate it. We're on uh, we're on the home stretch right here. All right. All right. All right. Let's let, we're going to finish the drill strong. Um, Mayor Seidel as a leader is dot, dot, dot. I'll have you finish the sentence. Is most concerned about building depth in our organization. Love it. Your biggest uh, leadership strength. Knowing people. The leadership challenge that you would consider something that a weakness or something that you have to really focus and dial in on to be proficient at not to overkill yep um your favorite out of work adventure 
it's got to be rooting the Bucks on. <laughs> Tailgating and going to the game, man. Come on, I'm a football guy. Where's I'm, I'm I'm a little shocked. I don't see any Tom Brady jerseys hanging back there. They're they're here. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> you know you got to remember. I grew up in Miami, and, and and as a Miami Dolphin, you're trained not to like New England. And so when he came here, all of a sudden I threw all those rules out. Uh, out the window. <laughs> um, childhood idol, someone, someone that you looked up to as a child and why? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to say that uh, there were probably some – some politicians, maybe, you know, it's funny. I wasn't real political as a kid, but, uh, you know, uh, Lawton Childs, for example, who was governor in, in Florida, I think I met him as a kid somewhere. And I always kind of admired Walking Lawton. That yeah. was his nickname, right? And as a kid, I was like, Walking Lawton, I thought it meant something else other than what it meant. <laughs> but he like walked from one end of the state to the other, going to all these different local small businesses. And uh, I, I don't know. I just, of course, I, I realized as I got older, he didn't literally walk from no. one end to the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, you touched on uh, before our, our, our uh, this recording here, this conversation, the coffee with the mayor. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit on, because I think, I mean, what a great opportunity to be able to grab a cup with, and, and, Chew the fat with a community leader. Talk a little bit about that. It's a, it's, it came as a suggestion from uh, our, our very talented staff at City Hall. And so what we do is we have our city council meetings the first and third uh, Tuesday of every month. And so the next morning uh, we have a Facebook Live uh, and we, you know, we post a recording of it on our YouTube channel and so yep. forth. But we do a Facebook live broadcast and it's coffee with the mayor. And what I talk about, <coughs> and I have a co-host, she keeps me on the straight path. Um, we, <laughs> I don't know uh, if I'm doing that today. <laughs> I think we're doing all right though. <laughs> we, we, we talk about uh, things that happen at the council meeting the night before. Yep. Because a lot of times uh, I, I'm a big, big guy on parliamentary procedures and Robert's rules and, bang, 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 and we get stuff done and we do it the way it's supposed to be done. But unfortunately, sometimes to someone who's not always exposed to that, you know, you you sit back and you go, well, why'd they do that? You yeah. know, I mean, why didn't they discuss this more or those types of things? So, and during those debates, unless it's a public hearing, the public doesn't have an opportunity to ask questions during a debate, Okay, right? They have the citizens open forum at the beginning where they can ask anything they want. If it's a actual public hearing, then right before we go into discussion, but we close rank and we debate. And so anyhow, it's, it's an opportunity for uh, me in kind of layman's terms, talk about what we did, but the more important things, our citizens can ask questions, yep. which is always kind of fun. That's great. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, but we, it's, we've, we've just started doing it. And, you know, we're getting hundreds of views on it and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's amazing. I think the some of the technical or technology things that people are starting to do now that 
you know, 13, 14 months ago, it wasn't even. A, <laughs> well, it's true, right? It's unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny. I joke like for my company, we went virtual many, many years ago, yeah. so we weren't impacted. But city government, you know, it's hard for them to make those changes. And so like many other city governments in the very beginning, we were doing Zoom city council meetings. And of course, during this process, we made this huge commitment. It was already part of our capital improvement budget to re-equip our council chambers so we could stream live yeah. and, you know, all these things and, and so forth. But you're right. There's it's unbelievable. Using the tools. It's so good for local government. Yeah. The transparency, the, the interaction, um, you know, it, I think, you know, I think it makes people feel closer to their local government and their cities feel more part of what's going on and, and the decisions that are being made, which is, you know, as a community member, that's all you can ask for. Absolutely. Absolutely. My uh, uh, two quick ones to finish things off. Um, and I'll include all this information in the show notes, like the social media pages for the, for Oldsmar. What's the best way if some, you know, someone's interested in, you know, visiting or even, you know, potentially a permanent move. What's the best way for someone to learn more information about Oldsmar? Go to myolsmar.com. Okay, great, great. And I'll, like and, I said, I'll include that in the show notes and the and and your social media pages and and whatnot as yeah. well for anybody that's interested. Yeah, and the city of Olsmar on Facebook or any of the other social platforms, we put a that is a very active medium yep. uh, for us, and so it's a great way. And our chamber of commerce is great. a good resource. The Upper Tampa Bay uh, Regional Chamber of Commerce is another great source. We're huge partners with them. Wonderful. Yeah. I'll, like I said, I'll make sure that gets up in the show notes for the episode as well. And the last question, Mayor Seidel here to wrap up the episode. Uh, you know, I was going to make a Tom Brady uh, uh, c comparison here, but I'm a big Giants fan <laughs> and we all know what they did to his, uh, his Super Bowl record. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and, and, and at that time, there was nobody yelling louder uh, for, for uh, quarterback uh, Manning to get that for the helmet catch and all that. I, I'm a Miami guy. I didn't want that undefeated record to fall. I knew I liked you, Mayor Seidel. You're doing all right, my friend. <laughs> hey, la last question. And, and again, I appreciate for joining us for today. Any uh, any uh, a sentence or a bit of advice for someone who's interested in pursuing uh, the path of being a civil servant, whether it's a career path or maybe just being involved, what advice would you have from your, uh, your experience? That's, yeah, I'd be happy to share. So I, I get asked this question from time to time, and I think it's pretty simple, right? You know, most communities have, um, have citizen boards. Right. And it's a great place. Go go look at the uh, wherever you live, look at their website, learn about what boards they have. Think about what interests you have, what motivates you, whether it's the leisure services, which is the parks and rec or or maybe it's uh, you want to uh, participate in the firefighters board or or whatever it might be and volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> right. And sometimes those boards. Sometimes those boards might take a while to get on. Right. Put your name on the list, put an application in. And then I always tell people who are interested in running for office, they think about it. And they're like, I might like to do that. And so my advice to them is find someone who is in office or who's running for office, who you align well with, like your yeah. views, 
your 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 morals, your character. You you just really align with this person. Volunteer to work on their campaign. Yeah, and that's 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 really important because you what you'll end up meeting are other folks who are like minded like you, or they wouldn't be working on that campaign as well. Yeah, and so you start to network with people who are passionate about doing certain things in their community and and you're kind of paying your dues and and at the same time you innocently building relationships with people who like to work on campaigns yeah so now if you decide in the future that there's a, a an opening that feels right for you and you want to dive in and do it you got some folks to call who've been in the trenches with you That's and right. now it's sincere and it's not just you're suddenly doing it because Hey, I, I I want your vote, you know. <laughs> yep, yep. So it's no, a good way it. to get involved. It's That's a really great. good it's, way, and it's fun. I was going to say it's a legitimate like field experience too. Like, what better way to learn than to get your hands dirty and do? And, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yep. It's a great way to get involved, and it's good for the community. That's right. That's right. Well, Mayor Seidel, I, again, I can't thank you enough for taking uh, taking a few moments to join the Lead with Empower podcast. A job very well done, glowing report. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you for that. And, uh, you know, to our listeners, you know, I think I, I'll go back to what Mayor Seidel said in the beginning about, you know, lead, leading during, you know, the challenging times and that concept of communicate, plan aggressively and surround yourself with the, with the right people, the people that'll, you know, you know, provide that support, provide that level of uh, intelligence and, um, you know, provide the, the recommendations to keep everybody on the right track and keep the ball moving forward. Ladies and gents, that is Mayor Eric Seidel from Oldsmar, Florida. He leads with Empower, knocks it out of the park. Hope you all enjoyed our episode. Have a great uh, rest of the week. Be courageous, be kind, and don't be afraid to get after it. Thank you, Mayor Seidel. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. My pleasure. You're very welcome. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.